perfect introduction for the message as I preach tonight, continuing in victory, continuing in victory. Keep your Bibles open and just mark them, if you will, as we'll look back at these verses in just a few moments, uh, continuing in victory. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be in church. I've looked forward to it. I'm enjoying it. I'm thankful for it. I see the importance of it. I pray that our attention would be given and would be given on purpose and the message would be heard not just here, but Lord would be heard as it goes out by way of radio and internet and in all of those ways. May you use it and bless it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I was a boy, uh, even a teenager and a young preacher, I always was disappointed when a pastor announced his text to be anywhere around 2 Timothy chapter 3 because I thought we're going to hear, oh my, woe is me and how bad it is and all of the circumstances of the last days. And certainly uh, there are some difficult circumstances in the last days, but that's not what this book is about. This book is about continuing in victory. Uh, Now, if you are in love with the world and uh, you are concerned about uh, uh, the temporary more than you are the eternal, uh, this is a depressing passage of Scripture. But every born-again child of God that believes in the power of the gospel, that believes in the hope of revival, rejoices every time we read these passages of Scripture. And so tonight I preach on the subject continuing in victory. 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter. It's his last book written before his death. The instruction he gave to young Timothy inspires us in our walk with God and our work for God. The letter is especially important as it tells of the last days and of the return of Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. To say that Christ returns, that doesn't sound spooky or scary. That sounds exciting. I mean, it's better than a birthday. It's better than Christmas. It's better than any holiday. Hey, Jesus is coming again, and we are on the winning side. Uh, Paul prepares Timothy personally in the first two chapters, and then he prepares him for his public ministry in the last two chapters. Paul tells Timothy of the circumstances that he's going to face in those last days. Paul gives those in detail. And from that day to this, Paul was very accurate. Of course he was under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of his description of the days in which we live. The one thing I want you to see, in fact, there are three words I want to give you. In fact, you ought to write them in the margin of your Bible. The one is the word continue. It's in this passage here. Uh, We see it in verse number 14, but continue thou. The word continue and then the word charge, chapter 4 in verse number 1. And then I'll give you another word. That's the word challenge for verse number 5 as we come to the close of the message. Now the word continue is an interesting word here. It seems to be a plain, simple word with instruction that says continue. What does that mean? Keep going. Keep going. 
And sometimes we run a race and you get tired and you say, come on, continue, keep going, keep going. You're not finished yet. However, the word continue gives us some indicators as well as instruction uh, in sight of the circumstances that are there. The word simply means do the same thing that you've been doing, but the word continue is given because there is something that has distracted the work. There is something that has misguided uh, the current behavior. There is a challenge uh, with direction. You ever, you ever pull into a place? I, I pulled into a, a COVID testing place the other day, and uh, I, I've never seen so many cones. I told my wife, I wish I had a go-kart. I could have just uh, had a good time. She said, you're going fast enough in the truck. Uh, but you go down there, and you turn around and come back, and then you go down to there, and you get just a little farther each time. And I wondered if I was going the right direction, and there was these arrows that just, they kept pointing, and you just kept continuing. Sure enough, you got there until they mistreated you, and uh, got to the side and where I was going. And, uh, but, but continue sometimes is there because there is a distraction, or there is an obstruction. And as Paul tells of the circumstances of the last day, of the return of Christ, it seems that the focus of our attention today goes to the difficulty of the circumstances rather than, than the instruction of the action to continue. Now, I want to say that again. I'll make sure you get a hold of what I'm saying. It seems that our focus today is on the circumstances, and that's what we talk about. And that's what we focus on. But the focus is not on the circumstances. The focus is on the instruction, keep going. Keep going. It's not over. Continue. Keep going. You're on the right path. Keep going. You're doing the right thing. Keep going. Now, the book of Acts is a wonderful book. It is a book named properly because it is the acts or the actions of the apostles or of the church. To me, the book of Acts is a most exciting book because it is a book of victory. It is a book of example. I, I think of uh, Acts chapter 8, and Philip takes the gospel, and he goes down to Samaria, and he begins to preach privately, one-to-one, -one, and publicly in crowds. He begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are some be who believe, there are some who reject, but there is enough who believe. The Bible said the result of his preaching was there was great joy in that city. Now, there wasn't great joy because there was expansion of alcohol sales, or there wasn't great joy in the city because they could uh, gamble or drink later in the night. The joy came, joy came because of the gospel uh, that was preached. That's what's going on in the book of Acts. And may I say tonight, and may I celebrate that the church has had grand success in the work of the gospel every place the gospel has been worked. The work of the gospel, the work of the church. The church has marched unconquered. Do you know how many business and business models have come and gone? And yet the church in its simplest form still marches on. In the same manner, it marches on unconquered. The church marches on victoriously. Cities and cultures have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
All of our lives have been changed by the gospel. Aren't you glad your life's been changed by Christ? Aren't you glad that you're a new creature in Christ? The bound have been set free, and there is no life like the life in Christ and in the will of God. Now, as Satan increases his attacks on righteousness and the church, there seems to be a continual shift in attitude and action, and rather than continue, there is a pause. And rather than faith, there is a doubt. And rather than a continuing, there is a stopping. Instead of a pressing on, there is a compromise. What I want to say tonight, the instruction still says, continue. Continue, continue. As Paul writes these words to Timothy, I think of a general who prepares his troops for a difficult battle ahead. He tells them of the situation they're going to face and he ensures them that they have the support, they have the equipment, they have the weaponry to win the battle and he gives them instruction for winning. That's what this reminds me of. There's no place that I read here that it says, well, I'm supposed to sit down and wait for the rapture of the church. There's no place here do I find I'm supposed to sit down in discouragement and quit in my service and my work for God. This reminds me of a sports coach, whether it's football coach or a basketball coach, talking to his team and telling him, now fellas, we got three tough games ahead and these are going to be difficult games. I remember in high school and there being that difficult game, that, that team that nobody had beaten and nobody expected us to beat them. I never went in thinking we were going to get beat always went in with the idea that we was going to beat them. Or I was going to commit a felony, I mean a foul trying. I mean I was going to do everything I could to win the game. I didn't care if we were down 30 points. I wanted it to be cut to 28 or 27 or 26. I didn't want to get beat any worse than they could beat us. I wanted to win. But in this passage of Scripture, it's not a toss-up between two athletic teams. This is the church that wins triumphantly and victoriously in the end, and we are going to win. Why is it that we think, well, it's hard times. Maybe we ought to quit. Two times in the past month, I don't do this often, but I'm going to respond to a couple of preachers, and I'm not going to call them a name. They're not worth it. But two times in the past month, I've received notes from pastors who've chided me for talking publicly about revival. They posted both public notes and sent personal notes saying, don't you know these are the last days? I want to say tonight, don't you know we win? I've had several thoughts about that. Uh, I thought it's a good thing they didn't live in the days of Paul. They can't go to church when it's cold, let alone when they're beaten or arrested or thrown in jail. 
It's a good thing they live in a day of freedom and they live in a day where it's free and, and there's freedom to give out gospel tracts and there's freedom to set up a tent and have a tent revival and there's freedom uh, to go to a place and preach the gospel and rather than talk about the places that we're all restricted, uh, we ought to be actively engaging in the places that we're not restricted and work to win those to Christ. I say tonight... If, if we're supposed to quit in difficult circumstances, why then did Paul tell Timothy to continue? I think about the crowd when the second temple was built. The Bible said the old men wept while the young men shouted. May I say, you ought to always shout about the will of God being done today. I serve notice on you tonight that the work of the church is supposed to continue in faith, in faith, until Jesus comes again. My generation is going to win one of three ways. I prefer revival. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see our country turn to God. I'd like to see those who have the attention of our nation come to know Christ as Savior and tell the world you've been lied to. And Jesus is the way. And you've been mis you, you, you talk about being mistreated, you have been, when they took the truth out of the schools and replaced it with theories and, and lies and ideas of mankind. You say, preacher, you really think that could happen? I believe with all my heart. In fact, I believe it so much I tell every person that I can talk to, I believe in old-fashioned revival. Preacher, why in the world would you believe in revival? Because I've read the Old Testament. I read how the nation of Israel, how God loved them and brought them back. And God never retracted his promise of revival of those that would return to him. If He, he said, if you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. But if we don't win by way of revival, we'll win by way of judgment or by way of ruin. Or... We'll win by way of rapture, but we win either way. Now, what were they doing in the book of Acts that we are to continue? Well, there are three basic things that they were doing. First of all, they went everywhere preaching the gospel, winning men to Christ. May I say right now, let's go ahead and decide this week that we're going to be a witness for Christ. That's what Jesus would tell us if he were here. That's what Paul would tell us if he were here. Make sure you're loaded with the gospel and with gospel tracts and make plans this week to let your light shine and be salt and light in this lost and dark world. They went everywhere preaching the gospel. They preached it publicly wherever they could find people. They preached it privately from house to house and person to person. So what am I supposed to continue in? I'm supposed to continue to do what they were doing in the book of Acts. Second of all, they planted local churches for the fulfilling of the Great Commission. Not only did they win people to Christ, they got them baptized. Folks, let's never lose our joy and excitement about the great commission given to a local church. No special day should be more exciting than the great commission. No activity should stir us more than the great commission. No statistic should say that the church is successful outside of the statistics of the great commission of seeing folks saved and baptized and added to the church. They planted local churches. What was the purpose? of planting
planting those churches so they could take the word of God and they could teach by age and by ability the word of God teaching them hey listen to me Sunday school is more than a fellowship Sunday school is more than a time for a fun activity I'm thankful for those and I enjoy those but Sunday school is when we open the word of God as we did this morning of the gospel of John and oh how I love the gospel of John we read in Matthew of the genealogy of Christ and in the book of Mark and in the book of Luke oh but I love the genealogy that John presents of Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God hey and all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 we find the Jesus of John chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 1 we find that he is the great I am that's what he told Moses and seven times in the book of John John talks about the great I am Sunday school is us learning about Jesus Sunday school is us learning how to live our lives so what they do in the book of Acts I tell you what they did they planted churches to fulfill the great commission that's what we ought to be doing that's what we are attempting to do that's what we're striving to do that's what we are working to do third of all while there were difficulties and hardships they faced those and they brought great joy in every town they took the gospel oh there is no burden like the burden of sin there is no pain like the pain of sin Thank God for the day. And I love the song selections tonight about the blood of Christ and my sin being covered by the blood and the burden of sin being rolled away. The pause or quitting of the work of the church has resulted in many not knowing Christ. Don't listen to that crowd that says you can't preach the gospel today or you can't preach for revival today. Paul wasn't telling Timothy to quit. He was telling him to continue. Paul wasn't telling Timothy to compromise. He was telling him to continue. Paul wasn't telling Timothy to change. He was telling him to continue. He wasn't telling Timothy to recapitulate. He was telling him, you keep on going. You're going the right direction and do it until Jesus comes. God's power has not changed tonight. God's promises have not changed tonight. God's preeminence has not changed tonight. God's person has not changed tonight. And you young men that God has put a fire in your heart to serve God, don't you get around a man young or old that will put water on your fire to serve God. You take the gospel of Jesus Christ and you charge whatever town God gives you the opportunity in any bus route, in any area that he gives you the opportunity and march on for the cause of Christ. I contend today that there is not any reason to doubt the work of God. We must continue on in the work of God. First of all, he says continue. And then after he tells him to continue, he gives him a charge. While he's continuing, look at chapter 4, verse number 1. I charge thee, therefore, before God. I like that. He said, now, I understand what the circumstances are, and I understand that, that, that sin and evil is going to wax worse and worse. I understand that, but I want you to continue. And as you continue, Paul picks up the gospel trumpet. He blows a charge. I mean, it's like the team's up 20 points, and the coach gets up, and he says, hey, quit being lazy. Hustle down that court. Hey, quit throwing that ball away. If you don't want to play, get on the bench. 
Get out there and do what you're supposed to do. I like what Paul gave him. Paul, in the midst of his continue, he gives Timothy a charge. Let's look at it tonight. Chapter 4 and verse number 1. I charge thee, therefore. Does that sound like quit to you? Does that sound like a change or a turn back or there's no hope? Is that what it sounds like? You know what I believe? I believe that there is a stirring. I believe that there is a hunger in the hearts of men today for revival. I believe that. I believe that there are folks I've met with several in recent days that have said, Brother Fugit, I believe we can have revival. We need churches. A preacher friend of mine came here to this building this week. He had never been to this property. He's known me for many years. He came to the back of the property and he stood with tears in his eyes and he looked at this building. It was empty. And as we stood there, he looked at the building. He said, I'm excited to know that God's still building a work. He said, what's going on out there? I said, that's the next building. Thank God. God's still saving old sinners and folks are still responding to the preaching of the gospel. You listen to me tonight. It's not time to quit. It's time to charge. There's a hunger for revival. Here's what he said. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead is his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. I like it. In the last days, he said, be instant. I like that. You know, some things take a long time to cook. I like those things. You can just put them in the microwave and they're instant. That's the way preaching ought to be. The old fellow said, I can preach at the drop of a hat and always wear one. <laughs> preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will not come when they for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, shall be turned to fables, but watch thou in all things. He never does tell him to change. He never does tell him to change. He said, in the midst of the continue. I want to give you a charge. I looked up that story again this week, that story of Napoleon. Napoleon who found himself in a difficult set of circumstances and he was losing soldiers. And he said to the bugler, as they were losing men, he said, sound a retreat. Son, I said, sound a retreat, he said. He stood there. Napoleon said, I told you to sound a retreat. He stood there and he said, I, I, I don't know how to play a retreat. Nobody ever told me how to play a retreat. He said, well, sound something. And he sounded the only thing he knew to sound and that was a charge. And may it be that men of God today would sound the only thing they know to sound and that is a charge. And when the soldiers heard the charge of the trumpet, they believed that reinforcements were coming. Ah, but you listen to me as I sound the charge tonight. There are naysayers that say, ah, but we can't win. There are naysayers that say the circumstances are too difficult. But as I sound the charge, it may be that heaven is just preparing for reinforcements and Jesus is ready to come. You hear me well. We don't lose. We win. And when we win, let's charge until Jesus comes.
I got a call from a pastor in our state this week. Faithfully served a church. He's up in years now. He's no longer able to pastor. Here's what he said. He said, Brother Fugit, send me a preacher. We can have a Bible preaching soul winning church here in our town, a town in northern Kentucky. Had a voice message on my phone this week, followed up by a handwritten letter. We have a town in East Kentucky. We have a church building. The Lord's blessed this building. It's empty. We need a preacher. I, I don't look at that and discourage, but I look at it as an opportunity. Sometimes I wish I was one of you boys. And I look at you twice, and I'm glad I'm not. Sometimes I wish I was one of you boys just starting all over. The only regret I have in life is I have but one life to give for God. And if I could give it again, I would give it to win every soul I could win, to start every bus route I could start, to plant every church I could plant, to train every preacher I could train, to work and love and to help every layman that I could work with and I could love. Oh, you listen to me. It's a winning cause. It's a winning cause. Quit reading the Bible like we're losers. We're not losers. We're winners with Christ. He says, continue. And then after he gives a continue, he gives a charge. And after the charge, there's a challenge. I want you to see it, verse number five. Watch down all things, endure affliction. He didn't say quit in affliction. He said endure them. You know what he's saying? Be tough. Be tough. You get knocked down. We've all been knocked down. Get up. That's what he's saying. If you need help getting up, we'll, we'll help you get up. But get up. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist, and here's the challenge. Timothy, make full proof of thy ministry. Second Timothy's been around a long time, folks. I'm glad Lewis Arnold didn't look at the circumstances and say, well, I was going to plant a church, and, but circumstances are too bad. I'm glad he didn't quit two generations ago, aren't you? I'm glad when God called Sam Fugit to preach in 1970. I'm glad the night that he came to the altar and gave his life to God. He didn't have a preacher that said, Sam, I'm sorry, but it's too late. The time's up. Circumstances are too bad. Going back to your job. He didn't do that. And I'm glad he didn't. I got pictures today. For my preacher boys around the state and around the nation. Preacher, I just wanted to share some blessings. And I saw our preacher boys in baptistries across the country baptizing converts today. Brother Arache that came to college here, he's preaching in Ecuador today. He preached there today, he's preaching there now. It's his job to figure out what I say in English and say it in Spanish this week. I told him, I said, you've preached my sermons enough already. You ought to already have it figured out. He sent me 26 pictures today. 26. The only regret I have are folks that have given up. They don't believe in the power of the gospel. They don't believe in the promises of God. 
They act like we're losers. We're not losers. We're the winners. Here's what he said. Make full proof of thy ministry. And so I say, if you serve and work in the Sunday school of Clay's Mill Baptist Church, make full proof of your ministry. Can I tell you, every class is important. How many preachers have I heard tell the story? I was just in the second grade. I remember Lee Robertson telling the story of this Sunday school teacher that made a difference in his life. I remember Dr. Howells telling the story when he was a boy and he went in Sunday school in the second grade. He wasn't wearing shoes. Poor family. And the teacher told the boys and girls in the class that God loved them. And he asked his teacher, does God love little boys that doesn't wear shoes? She picked him up and sat him on her knee and she said, yes. And I'm not too sure he doesn't love you more. His daddy was a drunkard and when he told him that God had called him to preach, he mocked him and knocked him down and left him laying on the ground in Dallas, Texas outside of a bar. And he heard his daddy say, if you're going to build a blankety-blank church, why don't you build the biggest one in the world? I'm glad for Sunday school teachers that love their children and they show up on time and they've prepared their lessons and they teach those boys and girls the word of God. I say, Sunday school teacher, make full proof of your ministry. I say to those that teach in the children's church ministry, I say to you, make full proof of your ministry. I say as we go out this week as personal soul winners, Make full proof of your ministry. I'm thankful this is a soul winning place. Friday we had a funeral. Dr. Amos was a special individual. I loved him so much. When he was in his early 80s, he got lung cancer. And he told me, he said, now I have. And he told me what kind of cancer he had. He often talked to me in a doctor's vernacular. I couldn't understand half what he was saying understood the word sick. and uh, But he said, I have cancer. He said, they can't do anything for me. He said, I, I don't want to go through and all, a bunch of tests. I said, Dr. Amos, would you please? He said, I may go to the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. I said, would you please? And I prayed. Here's what I said, Lord. I'm praying this prayer not just for him. I'm praying this prayer for me. I'm a bit selfish. I wish you'd give him a few more years here. He said, all I can do is sit there. I said, that means a lot to this preacher that you can just sit there. Let me say to you tonight, you may be getting up in years and you think, well, I can't do anything. You sitting in your place encourages not only the heart of this preacher, it says to young people, you be faithful to the house of God. God extended his life. And he told me, he said, it's your fault that I'm still here. In fact, this last time when he got sick, they took him to the hospital. He got better. He said, I told you, don't take me to the hospital anymore. When I get sick next time, call hospice. I want to go to heaven. I told you I want to go home. I'm just telling you what he said, what they said at his funeral. We had his funeral, funeral yesterday. And uh, I, I didn't come to the visitation 
beforehand. I'd been to the doctor and he told me to rest. That's the only thing he tells me to do. Don't eat and rest. If he'd tell me to eat and rest, I'd like it more. <laughs> Brother Fisher and Brother Smith took care of the folks coming in and there was a young man working for the funeral home. I'm glad he didn't get in here and get out without hearing the gospel. Brother Fisher, and he wasn't the only one that was witness to, but he bowed his head right out there and trusted Christ as Savior. Hey, soul winner, make full proof of thy ministry. Bus worker, I got text messages from bus captains today telling me about different situations and heartbroken for kids that they love and they want to be in church and they want to serve God and they missed them being in church and what do I do about this and what do I do about getting them back in church? Bus worker, make full proof of thy ministry. School teachers, thank you so much. Those of you that serve our children in Christian education, thank you so much. As a pastor, but also as a parent, thank you. Thank you, coaches and teachers. Make full proof of your ministry. What a blessing it is to see teachers teaching Christian school. And I saw pictures I saw, I, I saw pictures yesterday of the team that won the basketball tournament, and I saw their pictures several years ago when they were playing Valor basketball, and they were just trying to throw the ball up high enough to get it to the goal. And then they won the championship, and I saw another picture of a little girl in school, and the next picture, she's a missionary in Africa with children around her winning folks to Christ. Hey, folks, that's a good life, ain't it? Brother Young, thank you. Make full proof of your ministry. Thank you for teaching our kids and giving them a biblical worldview. Brother Smith, don't quit. Make full proof of your ministry. We've got to have the camp. We've got to keep going to camp in the summertime. And have an old cowboy tell us you need to get up in the morning and walk with God. Hey, we need that. He doesn't say quit. He doesn't say change. You say, I'm tired. Well, take a nap, but don't quit. You say, I don't feel good. Well, you won't feel good after you quit either, so just keep going. Quitting never made anybody feel good. Nobody ever said, whew, I quit, and that feels so good to be a quitter. I'm just so glad. I, I mean, are there any awards I get for quitting? No, there are no awards for quitting. Continue. Stand with me, if you will. There are folks that are watching me tonight. They're not able to be in church anymore and they pray for me faithfully every single day. And sometimes the letters I get, they'll say I'm 88 or I'm 94. I can hardly write, but I wanted to write and tell you, don't give up on America and don't give up on revival. We're not going to give up. We're going to continue until Jesus comes. We're a winner either way, whether it's revival, ruin, or the rapture. We wake up on the other side victorious. Heavenly Father, get a hold of these young men and help them to see by the grace of God they can do a great work for you. They can. They can. Help these young ladies to know God can use them in a great way. Just yield their life to God. God, help us to keep going. 
I pray for our school. I pray for our teen department. Some of the finest teenagers. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Davis and his wife and their love for our teenagers to love you and to serve you. Help them to make full proof of that ministry. Not quitting or slowing down, but giving it all we've got until you come. Bless our invitation tonight in Jesus' name I pray.